children love it because a grown-up dresses up sort of like Santa Claus, if you can imagine Santa Claus being a demon. This is the Insight Guides podcast. I'm Zara Sakavati. At Insight Guides, we connect you with people on the ground with the best knowledge of the area you're travelling to. We have a network of local experts who design and book tailored unique trips for each traveller. For the last episode of the series, I wanted to take you to another place that's special to me. I used to teach English in Japan. I'd never been there before, or anywhere in Asia. Every day in Japan was a surprise. Tokyo, in particular, is like nowhere else I've been to. The rush of people, the flashing neon lights, a wonderful blend of the old and the new. It's addictive. My name is Anna Sherman. I'm the author of The Bells of Old Tokyo, and thank you for having me. That's Anna. She lived in Tokyo for 10 years. I read her book and was instantly transported back to the city. So I brought her in to share some of her stories. If you haven't been, Anna has the perfect way of describing Tokyo. Well, if you can imagine being a, a pin, the head of a pin, like a pin cushion, and then imagine a sort of dining, a dining tablecloth at a state banquet, and imagine yourself being that tiny, tiny head of a, a pin, like that size. That's what it feels like to be in Tokyo. And except that it's in the day, it's this sort of dun colored, gray colored, dove colored uh, concrete and asphalt. And at night, it shines with colors like, you know, sherbet and electric lights. So it's, it's very otherworldly. And I, I had a, a visitor from Los Angeles, and I thought the person from Los Angeles wouldn't be faced or, or surprised because Los Angeles is in a small place. And he just said, I've never seen anything like this. So the first thing really is the size. It's just how vast it is, how it never seems to have an edge. It rolls from, you know, it, it, it blends into Yokohama and the Southwest and it rolls outward to, you know, the mountains in the North. And, and you just, you feel like you're looking for an edge and never find one. One of Anna's interests is festivals. Japan has many festivals, many, many festivals. And festivals are often unique by region. Um, I, the ones I knew and loved were Tokyo's festivals. They're called Matsuri, which comes from the verb Matsuru. Um, I think one scholar talked about them as being cosmic dramas that bring together people and gods. So it's a way for the gods to communicate, communicate with a community. By total chance, Anna's first trip to Tokyo happened to be on the week of one of the most famous and elusive festivals, cherry blossom season. There are these sort of radiant, translucent, very pale pink clouds. Uh, you don't see the branches, you, you, except where they join the trunk. And people are fest, you know, just the festivities and... Um, and happy, you know, you, you see people having picnics and acting in ways that they wouldn't, um, they wouldn't act in normal life. So 
uh, karaoke under the trees, drinking sake under the trees, having picnics. Uh, in Ueno Park, which is very famous, like students or the juniors of an office will go and they will um, guard the best places under the trees for their companies. Um, and so what's funny is when the cherry blossoms fall at the wrong time of year is that then uh, people haven't budgeted the time off and you get only the students and the lovers. And from that experience, Anna ended up using festivals as this gateway into discovering her new city. When I first went to Tokyo, I didn't speak the language. And though I studied it, I began studying it as soon as I moved. It, I felt very locked out of the world because I couldn't read. I couldn't understand what people were saying. I couldn't speak. So suddenly you are, you, you fall back on the skills that a toddler has, you know, it's, it's sight, it's sound, it's taste, and you have to understand the world in these, these very different ways. And, um, so festivals, they're also kind of sensory assaults on you. Um, a festival, for instance, let me take the summer festivals in which a neighborhood shrine will open its doors and the shrine will be put on uh, poles, a palanquin, and carried around the neighborhood by parishioners or people who live in the neighborhood or members of the association. And you have to imagine shouts and whistles and um, calls and drums and just um, a kind of fracas. And, and people are, are jolting and bouncing this, this shrine on their shoulders. And if they meet um, another palanquin coming from another direction, they crash into each other and the weakest one gives way. And so, again, if, if you can imagine not speaking Japanese, not understanding what's happening, and, and suddenly you're trying to interpret a world and it's this... You look at this this object, and it is beautiful black lacquer, and it's covered with with sort of uh, mirrors and golden coins, and there are purple cords of of silk rope, and it's uh, just a beautiful thing to look at. And people are singing songs, and it's a beguiling way in. I was living in Tokyo during the summer, which is full of festivals. The one that stands out most in my memory is the Edugawa Fireworks Festival. They fired off rockets every few minutes, 13,000 in total, causing this huge explosion of vibrant colour in the night sky. I asked Anna to describe her three top festivals. Number one, Setsuban. Children love it because a grown-up dresses up sort of like Santa Claus, if you can imagine Santa Claus being a demon. And the children throw beans at him and they're shouting, That means devils, get out and luck, come in. And um, it's, it's a really fun event that happens in February. One thing I think it's important to say to Western listeners that the Satsuban demons aren't devils. Uh, they're not implacable evil, but people are transferring their sins, their bad luck from the last year onto these these demonic creatures who then, um, through their amazing strength, are able to soak up the impurities and take them away. So they're scapegoat deities. And you can visit Asakusa Temple and the priests will stand on the, the, the balconies outside the temple and just throw these 
beans down to the crowds. And one year I went when it was raining and there are so many old ladies there. So I always think of it, and I'm not sure this is true, but as the children's festival and the old ladies festival, so the old ladies turned their umbrellas upside down and you just have to imagine the showering of dried beans that were being caught by the old ladies in the umbrellas. And of course, because I had really only just arrived six months before, I didn't know what was going on. And some of them felt really sorry for me just because I only had a few beans. And they said, you must have as many beans for your age. And they are asking how old I was and counting out the beans into my hand. Maybe these old ladies would never have spoken to a, a sort of mute foreigner in the street. But because um, in festival time, people can do things like that. Asakusa Temple is one of my favourite spots in Tokyo. It's bursting with colour, these deep reds against dashes of white. There are lines of food stores as you approach the entrance, where you can buy doriyaki, a pancake-like batter with sweet red bean paste in the middle. There's this buzz of noise, sizzling pans and sales cries, but when you approach the temple, it changes. You hear coins being thrown into the offertory box and clapping. It feels peaceful. My second favourite festival is Oban, the season when the ancestors are supposed to come back. And to me, that has always been a kind of beautiful idea, especially the older I get, that people whom you have loved and who've left come back and visit you and you get to tell them how how you are, what you've been up to over the last year. And of course, it's Oban is also famous for the Toro Nagashi, which are the floating lanterns that um, will be let, let out, set out in the middle of bodies of water. So you see them in the distance and they're just small as these grains of sand and then they float inward towards you. And then until finally they're at your feet and it's like you're watching these spirits come back. And to me, that was a really, really lovely, a lovely, um, it's, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful festival to me. And not just for the lights, but just for what it represents. Anna's third favourite festival is a little more surprising. Festivals are still being invented. So my favourite, my third favourite festival is Halloween, which was, which was very new to the city when I arrived in 2001. Like it was, has its origins with foreigners um, sending each other coded messages in the press and arranging to flash mob one of the Yamanote trains that goes around the city. So they dress up in their cosplay outfits and just have a party. And actually, when I first started seeing people dress up for Halloween, even as an American, I was really kind of creeped out because I'm like they're taking they're doing it wrong they're taking it too seriously because they would go and get you know to to the uh, is it the prosthetics department of a theater and come up with these kind of torn flaps of flesh and you know fake blood and just and it would look real and so I would say to English friends there look this isn't this isn't right (laughs) they're not celebrating it right but what they've done is take the idea of Halloween and turned it into something completely different, which is something, which is a thing that happens often in Japan. It's like an idea will be introduced from the outside and they'll just completely adapt it and play with it until it's its own thing. But it doesn't stop there. In Tokyo, Halloween has gone way beyond monsters and zombies. It's the day when regular people become artists. They sculpt costumes and paint themselves to be exact replicas of paintings. And so you have people walking down the streets and they have manufactured for themselves these exquisite picture frames. And 
they take a famous um, portrait, so say Girl with the Pearl, or something that uh, Van Gogh would have done, or Rembrandt, everyone knows, you know what it is, and, and create it perfectly from the waist up. So these picture frames are walking down the street, and this is Halloween. And my favorite is Sober Halloween, and these people decide that the true scariest, you know, the truly scariest monsters are not the zombies, the vampires, the undead. They are we ourselves. So someone um, at a, an organic food shop offering you a sample you don't want, like that's a monster. Um, someone who's in his 30s playing a high school, you know, a high school teenager so this actor that's a person then you know the muji mannequins <laughs> so, and you know it they are kind of scary but what i love about it is it, it shows the city adapting i asked anna what advice she would give to someone planning a trip to tokyo around festivals my advice would be to go to the list of festivals, if you're interested in a matsuri, is go to the list of festivals at the Japan National Tourist Association, which has a complete list. And this will be true not just for Tokyo, but for Kyoto, Osaka. Um, but at the same time, I would find what interests you. So there are some which are displays of, of Zen archery. There are others which... Um, celebrate the autumn moon and during those you can hear the um, classical or Japanese classical music which involve ancient in- instruments so if, if that's your bag like if you really like a party well then I would go during Halloween if you feel like rolling the dice and want to time a visit around cherry blossoms good luck um, early March late February seems to be a good time to try for the cherry blossoms though if you miss the cherry blossoms I have to say the plum blossoms which were the samurai's flower because they bloom when nothing else blooms and they also have a beautiful fragrance Whether you're looking to catch up with your ancestors for Oban Festival or see how Tokyo has made Halloween its own, Insight Guides can plan your perfect trip to Japan. Head to insightguides.com where you can book a specially tailored trip through our website. You'll be able to find our new Insight Guides Explore Tokyo book on insightguides.com from November. Anna's book, The Bells of Old Tokyo, is now available in all major booksellers. Stay in touch on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Insight Guides. We've come to the end of Series 1 of the Insight Guides podcast. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Zara Sekabati. This series is a reduced listening production by Jesse Lawson. Today's episode features sound design by Louis Grace. Special thanks to Anna Sherman. <laughs>